Morning. Lovely bit of reading there, James. Thank you. Well done. I'm biased, of course. Right, as, um, as Tim's already said, I've got two Bibles here now. I'll put that down next to my sinister bag, which is for a bit later. Um, as Tim's already told us this morning, we're thinking about three people. Servant, soldier, saviour. Uh, nobody got hanged in finding that out because everyone guessed so brilliantly and also because the S's, I think, um, three people, servant, soldier, and saviour, that Luke is telling us about in this passage. So who are these three people? Three people. Well, the saviour, obviously, Jesus, he's the main one, isn't he? The whole gospel's about him, that's the point. Um, the servant, who's desperately ill and is healed by Jesus, and the centurion, who's the soldier. Now, I think the centurion is probably most important in this passage. Although the New Testament, the Gospels, are all about Jesus, the centurion in this passage is the most important one. What do we know about the centurion? Well, before we read this passage from Luke, what do we know about the Romans? What do we think we know about the Romans in Jesus' time? Well, they were an invading army, weren't they? They were spreading an empire across Europe and across the world from Rome, and they were fighting, occupying. There were wars. Many people were killed and enslaved as the Romans spread their empire. So the Romans were quite a force and a centurion is part of that military force. He's part of the army. He's a soldier, but more than the soldier, he's in charge of other soldiers. He has rank and he has authority. So when we think about what we know about the Romans in Jesus' time, and a soldier who's in charge of other soldiers, whose very job it is to be violent, we might imagine that he looks like that. We might imagine a man in armor with a sword and a shield standing proud and tall. He looks like he's ready for battle. He looks like he's had a battle already because he's got blood on his sword. Looks like a violent man. Is this the idea we have of the Romans in Jesus' time? Violent and, and conquering and after all, it was the Romans that crucified our Lord. Is our view of the Romans deserved? What about the centurion, the Roman that Luke tells us about this morning? What does he tell us? Maybe this centurion is a little bit different. This is a centurion, as we read what Luke says, who values his servant highly. He doesn't have a slave. He has a servant. That's someone who works for him, but isn't a prisoner of him. The Romans made slaves from many conquered nations, but this centurion has a servant, not a slave. He values this one so highly that he's prepared to do 
things out of character for a Roman centurion to help him. Perhaps he views him more as a friend rather than just a valued servant. What else does Luke tell us about this man? He cares for the local Jewish community. He has actually built them a place to worship. He's built them a synagogue. He's an outsider to their community. Literally come from another country, from a conquering country, from an empire abroad. And he knows he's an outsider. Even though he's become part of the community, building them a place of worship, the centurion still knows that really he's an outsider in this community. And he says it himself. Well, he doesn't say it himself, in fact, because we never hear what he says. All we hear, as Tim mentioned earlier, is what other people say. His words given by other people, by the Jewish elders or by his friends. But we do know from the words that Luke shows that the centurion thinks he's unworthy to have Jesus come to his house. Unworthy, even after all the things he's done for the Jewish community, even after the part he's played and the help he's given, even after caring for his servant, he thinks he's unworthy to have Jesus come to his house. But even though he doesn't feel that he belongs, he believes. He has faith in what Jesus will do. He trusts in what Jesus can do. This is a military man, a Roman, an outsider, and as we know, someone who is used to authority. He knows his place in authority. He has people that he must answer to. They are in command of him, in authority over him. And he has people that answer to him, his soldiers and his servants. And he gives them commands. Go, come, do this. And they will go, and they will come, and they will do as they're asked. He's used to authority. And here he does something which shows that he completely trusts in the authority of Jesus. He has such faith that he will do something out of character for a Roman centurion. And he will ask the Jewish saviour, this Jewish teacher, to heal his servant. He does something that possibly could jeopardise his position and he does it for the sake of somebody else. He does something that could be a risk to him personally, and it's for somebody else's benefit. Now, there was something slightly similar in the news recently, um, and you might have seen it. Um, I've got a little video clip. I don't know if you saw this, but this is in France, in Paris. Um, and somehow, a toddler had fallen from one balcony to another and just caught hold four stories up above the ground. Um, and while a man there on the next balcony can't get round to him, he's holding on to this toddler. But up from the ground, a man climbs straight up the outside of the building and rescues him. It's amazing. Um, and in fact, that man who climbed up the balconies in Paris was a migrant. He was a Malian worker from Africa. He'd come to France, fought his way across Europe. Well, fought his way is a strong word, but struggled his way across Europe, 
to try and find a better life for himself, to try and perhaps join a community a long way from home. And there he is in a crowd of people watching this terrible thing happen, and instead of thinking of his own safety, he immediately acts to help somebody else. He's not part of the community. He's come from abroad. He's come from another country. He speaks a different language, perhaps. Different colour skin. Doesn't look like the people that are local. Doesn't act like the people that are local. But immediately, he steps up in absolute bravery and does something at his own risk to help one member of the community. And in fact, in France, they were so struck by this that he's been given an award for courage and actually been made a French citizen. So he has been welcomed into that community officially and fully because of his selfless act and his bravery to help a member of the community. And that's a little bit of a parallel with our centurion, isn't it? Where he did something selfless, spoke out and acted to help a member of the Jewish community, even though he didn't feel part of it. And the centurion does that with such faith because he's a man who understands authority. He's a man who knows that he's under authority and knows what authority means, knows that orders should be followed, instructions must be carried out. He knows that when Jesus says that the servant will be healed, the servant will be healed. And the centurion doesn't even need to be there in person in this story. He has such trust and faith in Jesus' authority that his servant will be healed. So what's Luke actually telling us here when we hear about this centurion? Well, I don't know if we've got any guests here this morning, but if you know me, then you'll know that I've spoken a few times here. If you don't know me, you might not have heard me speak before. But when I arrived this morning, several people said to me, oh, you look very smart. You must be going to preach this morning. Um, and here I am, preaching in my shirt and tie and, and my jacket. Um, but it's very easy to make assumptions about people, isn't it? Based on what they look like, based on how we think they might behave, even if we don't know them. So if this morning I had... Um, arrived, now calm down ladies, um, if I had arrived this morning and instead of wearing a jacket and a tie and a shirt, sorry it doesn't go much further than this, don't panic, um, right, oh, let me get myself sorted out, if instead of wearing that, yes it's the normal me, what if I'd come into church this morning Dressed like this. If I'd come in this morning dressed like this, do you think people would have said to me, you must be going to preach this morning. You look smart. And all I've done is taken off my tie and put on a different jacket. It's still me. Still the same person underneath. But it's very easy to make assumptions about someone is, what someone's going to be like because of how they look or because of what we think about their people or we think about where they come from. We might assume 
someone is going to be different from us because they look different from us. We might assume someone from another country is going to behave differently because they speak a different language or they have a different color skin or their culture is different. We might assume that a centurion from a conquering army won't understand what it means to have faith in Jesus the way that the Jews would. But people surprise us. People don't always do what we expect. A foreign migrant is willing to risk his life to help a baby in a country that probably wouldn't welcome him until he'd shown that courage. Someone dressed in these clothes might not be the one you're expecting to hear preaching in the morning. Might not be someone that you would expect to say the same things as some. Oh, look at the mess. As someone wearing all that. A centurion might not have so much faith in Jesus that Jesus is actually amazed. Jesus is amazed at the faith this man has. So, there's a couple of things I'd like us to think about when we go from here this morning. They're very simple. Outsiders might not actually be very different from us. Our assumptions are often quite wrong. Strangers will surprise us. We are all children of the same Heavenly Father. Is our faith in Jesus strong enough to let him do what he needs to do in our lives? The centurion had such faith that his servant was healed. Will we let Jesus do what he wants to do to do amazing things for us? Lord, I thank you that you love us and you love us all. Whatever we look like, wherever we're from, we are all your children. I thank you, Lord, that you want to do wonderful things in our lives. And I pray that we will all open our hearts to let you. Let you accomplish great things in our lives. Because we trust you and we have faith. Amen. Amen.